everyone. Thanks for sitting down with us today. Today, I am joined by Joe Pentlicky, Chief Operating Officer, who's based in La Junta, Colorado, with Oliver Manufacturing, and Ian Eli, Director of South American Operations, based in Brazil for Oliver Manufacturing. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome, Juan. Very much. Glad to have you. Glad to have you. You know, um, as I was just capturing a note here, uh, Joe, I remember the first time I came and visited you folks in La Junta, and I stopped at a town just before it because I wasn't sure if I was in the right angle, and I, I asked someone if uh, if I was heading in the right direction to La Junta. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that made me laugh again today for my foolishness. <laughs> Guys, we're living in some pretty interesting times right now, right? And and I think staying connected has really never been more important than it is right now. My promise to our audience today is that we're going to hear about innovation. We're going to hear about how that concept is so critical to Oliver Manufacturing. We're going to hear about how Oliver, with 90 years of seed experience, continues to offer innovative solutions that, that build businesses. And most importantly, we're going to get to hear how both South and North America uh, of, of what's working and maybe what's not working along the way right now as, as we work in this ever-changing and potentially challenging environment. Does that sound fair, guys? I think that sounds reasonable, Sean. We'll give it our best shot. Perfect. All right. So, so maybe what I'll start with is, Joe, can you give me a little bit of a heads up of, 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 of what does Joe do? What, what's Joe's superpower at Oliver Manufacturing? I don't think I have a superpower. I think the superpower is all the people who work here. Uh, I'm just fortunate enough to be able to, to work with them and provide some leadership. But I do just about everything from um, dealing with uh, the finance side of the business, the sales side of the business, everything in operations, working closely with our engineering group on new innovations or new developments. And then uh, really, I think another one of my roles is getting feedback from people like Ian and customers on what are the issues and challenges they face and how do we at Oliver begin to address those. Ian, he's pretty humble for a chief operating officer, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is, which is great. It's, it's very good to, to work with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I've, had the, I've had the pleasure to do some of that. I, I think that um, being able to connect the innovation in the back of the shop with the innovation that gets put out to the marketplace is is one of those key roles so yeah joe uh, a good humble answer i like that i like that um ian can i ask you the same answer or same question rather absolutely i just can't promise i'm going to be so humble uh, <laughs> so well oliver manufacturing is all established in us and i'm the only one working you know in in brazil so i'm the only one outside of the office um, I'm in charge mainly of the sales part of the business, and, but I also do the technical um, startup presentations, commissioning, training to, to several of our customers here. I also work trying to build an agent or a network, you know, to help us increase in sales and offering more solutions to customers. And when I can't do something by my own, then I just go back to Joe and, and Oliver, you know, for crying out for, for help. Right. You which know, happens quite often, okay? 
Just a regular call, right? <laughs> good, good for you. Good for you. You know, Ian, I swore to myself that I was going to be able to ask you a question in Portuguese, and I, I have epically failed. I, I played and played, and I am unable to ask you a question in Portuguese, so I apologize for that. I, I know you're being the gracious one in, uh, in speaking with us in English today. I know that uh, obviously most of your business is done in Portuguese and, and Spanish. Guys, I want to start this off a little bit different um, because I feel like we have to acknowledge a little bit of COVID. And, and, and I know that North America and South America, that some things are different and then some things are very much the same. So I'm just curious, just as a kind of a get us rolling question, what's one thing that you guys have seen that's a positive change that, that COVID-19 ha has brought to our and, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be our business, but our but our lives in general, either business or personal. What one one change? Ian, can you think of one thing that's been a positive change with COVID? I think in, in Brazil we are we are still in a very important moment about the COVID. You know, the cases and casualties are still rising. Uh, so it's a little bit early, you know, to to see the, the very positive side of it. But I, I think that we are going, in the end of this, I think we are going to give higher value, you know, for some, some very important things like family, like friends. And I, I think we are going to appreciate very much when we have the chance to be with someone and not just be talking through the phone or sending a, a WhatsApp, Instagram, you know. So I think this, is, this will happen. Agreed. Well said. Joe, what do you think? One positive thing. I would say the one positive thing is it has really maybe forced upon us new and better ways to stay connected with people. And, you know, I think that there's always this opportunity to do a Zoom meeting um, or to go on a trip and go visit a customer. But with a lot of the restrictions that we've seen, uh, we've not been able to get out there and do that. I'm happy to say that our travel is starting to open up again, but just uh, this video conferencing, new ways to stay connected. And uh, I think that's the one positive thing that really comes out of this is because we've been able to lean on it. Absolutely. And, and, and I think people's willingness to play ball with it has, has increased as well, hasn't it? I, I said the other day that th this is the longest I've been home in 19 years. 19 years it almost made me go hi what are you doing it's 19 years since i've been home this long so yeah the 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 change is certainly impactful for sure you know adding just maybe one more positive to it sean um you know when we went through uh, some work from home orders from the state we had some people who are normally in the office working from home and then they were calling into the office trying to get information and people who are still here maybe weren't available to answer the phone or, or get them the information. And so I think that some of our folks have learned what people like Ian and our other outside sales and service people go through with how to stay connected in the office and get the information they need in a timely manner. And I think it's really put us in a position where we have to look at how we do things a little bit differently. You work in a field and in, in an industry as do I, that innovation is important, and yet there's a lot of things that we do very much the same as we've always done them. Who would like to kick us off by talking a little bit about what is the focus of innovation at Oliver right now? What, what things are we focused on from an innovation standpoint? I'd say that uh, maybe I'll 
kick it off and start it and let Ian kind of run with it. But um, we have regular meetings where we uh, really get field feedback on what's going on in the markets and what are the issues and challenges that uh, customers are facing. And I think a lot of the stuff that we're focused on from an innovation standpoint is around technology in our Voyager and Platinum series, but really taking that to the next level. You know, during COVID, you can't get out to see a customer, but if a customer has an issue, how do you support the customer? So how are we, how are we doing from an innovation standpoint and being able to support and connect remotely and then maybe even taking that to a new level, which we're toying around with right now, but um, mostly in technology, I think. Right. That, that, that ability to solve problems remotely just got taken to a whole new level. Absolutely. Ian, Ian what would you say, what, what would you say is, is the focus at Oliver Manufacturing right now? So I think there are some basics that came from a long time ago. I, I would say that the density separation on seed and kernels are something that was being studied in U.S. in the maybe 1960s, 50s even. So if you check on the internet, if you try to Google, you are going to find, you know, the increase in germination on vigor and you know, all kinds of important things for a seed uh, perspective. So Oliver is not uh, reinventing, you know, the basics, but I think we are adding more and more technology, more electronics to make it easier. Almost everywhere I go, it can be in U.S., it can be in Argentina, Brazil, Europe. You know, it's been hard to have more people working at the plants and working with the equipment. People don't have that, that full knowledge of all the process anymore. So having the technology, having the electronics to help and make this easier, have the capacity of some automation, recipes that you can save and load and multiple operators can do the same. This is fantastic. This is a great help that Oliver has been working with. I remember one time I got told that you had to have hair this color to operate a gravity table properly, um, which meant you'd, you'd spent a lot of years working on a gravity table. And, uh, and I think now what I'm seeing is that these recipes, this automation, this ability to, to have that table do what you want it to do much quicker and not necessarily have to have the, the gray hair experience really changes the usability of this equipment, doesn't it? You know, sometimes when we are offering the electronic versions, people ask us, well, but isn't that more, uh, isn't it harder to work with? Isn't that complicated to my, you know, for the operators? Here in, in some cases, you know, education is not as great. So they may even have some difficulties with the local language. But... I, we never, I never visit one customer that bought or is using an electronic version that on the next purchase that he came back and buy a basic one. They always go again for the electronics. So, no, it, it is easier, much easier to work with. Much easier. Joe, one of the things I've heard uttered as I have uh, been out in La Junta is this idea that the function of how Oliver gets paid is by moving metal to somebody else's shop, i.e. building a piece of equipment and selling them a piece of equipment. But really what you do is that you actually solve problems. Can, can you talk a little bit about, about 
how and why that is so important as a, as a part to the culture of Oliver? Well, I think, Sean, that, uh, as you know, Oliver is on its 90th anniversary. And uh, companies don't last that long if all they're doing is selling widgets or pieces of equipment or, or those types of things. It's about being able to provide a solution for a customer who's experiencing a real problem, maybe even a solution for a customer who's looking to expand and maybe grow in capacity. And so, you know, I think our long-term success has been the result of the time and effort we've put in understanding what a customer's trying to accomplish, maybe asking them some challenging questions, getting them to look at it maybe a little bit differently, and then presenting solutions that will actually work for them. One example is, you know, we've recently had some customers that have some older equipment that they can't get it out of the building or up to upgrade it. And so what we've done with our automation on our Platinum series, we've taken that to like a level 4.0 where we can take an older piece of equipment a customer has and put the same level of technology on their existing piece of equipment because they simply can't get it out of the building. Outside the box thinking. Because the machine is stuck in the box. Because <laughs> the machine is in the box. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Ian, in, in uh, South America, you folks have, uh, it's a newer brand to Brazil. It certainly had lots of equipment down there, but it's a newer uh, representation down there, a, new, a, a newer package that you're offering. Can you tell me a little bit about how that's being received in Brazil and, and, and throughout South America? Oh, absolutely. So Oliver has a strong name even for Brazil, you know, uh, especially on the corn seed industry. That's our main core here in, in South America, I can point out. Um, it's a big challenge because Brazil is very big. Uh, it's not as easy to travel here. Our roads are not as good as U.S. So most of the time you have, you know, to take a plane and go to point A to B, then rent a car and visit. But I think we do our best, you know, to, to assist the customers. And I think this is one of the things I've been uh, bringing to, to Oliver is this capacity of having someone that speaks the language, that can be Portuguese or Spanish, and help on the equipment, help on training, help on setting the machines. And it's incredible how many times you get to a plant, even a, a well-known company, and there are still some basics uh, to improve on, on how the machines work. So one of the challenges here is, is the distances that are really big. Right, right. The, the processing business around the world is the same, isn't it? it I, I've traveled the world. I've been into a lot of different processing plants. How they get lined up and the order, and that can vary depending on what part of the globe I'm in. But processing seed is processing seed around the globe. And I think that this evolution to, to, to identify the next innovative way to, to solve problems is at the feet of Oliver right now. So we know that we know that there are different ways to skin the cat, so to speak, on processing seed. What would be your one kind of key takeaway? that you've learned in the last number of years of, of being engaged in seed processing, that's kind of that one, I'll call it an epiphany, that, that one idea that shifted the whole way that you think about, the, uh, about processing seed. Does one come to mind immediately, Ian? 
you know, I, I think I can point out that the, it is a process. You know, you have to understand it is a process that each equipment has one uh, functionality. Each equipment has one goal. And it's not one piece of equipment, not even Oliver's equipment that is going to do, you know, the job by itself. And this is what I really like to have conversation with customers is to try to explain and show that it's a concept. It's not just one thing. So I would point out having a good understanding of the process itself. So you're telling me there's no silver bullet, no one button I can press that automatically has my uh, seed processing completed? The closer to that is called Joe, and he will help you the, the best he can. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I'll, I'll just say not yet, Sean. Right. Working on it. <clears throat> right. Joe, is there one idea or one concept that you can think of that has had that kind of a profound impact? I think the thing that's had the most profound impact as I look at our customers and I look at what we do is uh, something that was mentioned earlier. Uh, you have to be a gray hair to run a gravity table. Mm. And so those people are retiring and our customers are facing real challenges. And I, I think that's been a real driver for how we focused on our business and, and how we want to be able to provide things maybe a little different that make it easier, that uh, maybe takes some of that uh, gray-haired experience out of the mix and helps them be more successful. Right, yeah, good call. So there's not less seed going in the ground now. There's not less food being consumed on the, uh, in the globe right now. So as these things continue to increase and the demands get higher onto your customers and your customers' customers and, then, and the producer, how do we stay focused on continuing to innovate? What, what are some of the cultural cues that, that, that allows Oliver to really stay focused on that, on that innovative edge, always pushing forward along the way? Does, does, one, does something come to mind there, Joe? I would say it's, uh, I, I sort of brought it up earlier, but we have regular meetings where we get feedback from all our folks who are traveling about their experiences in the world what issues and challenges they're seeing that our customers are having, whether it be on a specific product or maybe even a broader problem with no solution yet. And so I think that tying that communication and that feedback from you know, a customer site all the way back into our facility, to our engineering team, um, our sales team, our marketing team, uh, operations, everybody's involved in that. And so, I think that's the thing that keeps us focused on innovation. Ian, my, my, I'm going to tweak the question slightly for you because um, what I wonder about is how do you take to, to, to market what is, it's an American-made solution, right? And, and I think that that has been um, the hallmark for 90 years. And then we're taking an American solution and being able to package it up for the needs of South America. So America, American made is, is made in an America, right? So as this concept continues to expand, South America, although we say we're doing it a little differently, we're, we're focusing on the same crops, right? Corn is king. Gosh, if I hear that one more time, I might, uh, might have an aneurysm, but, um, Corn is king, and we know that to be true. So 
What what do you do? Not so much Oliver specifically, but what does Ian do to be able to help with those so, that solution side to your to your potential customers and your customers in South America? As I mentioned before, the basics of, of separation, the quality of the seed, it's pretty much the same in US, in Europe, in Brazil, you know, the the basic about how a seed works. So I think it's different that the type of equipment that we can provide that is built in US, it has it has a niche in South America for those customers that are looking for superior quality. And now I'm not, I'm I'm going to be fair and I'm not just going to point out Oliver. Uh, but there are some manufacturers around the globe that manufacture higher quality equipment. And, and this is what we've been bringing to the table here in South America. We've been doing that, uh, increasing our, our equipment line by bringing partnerships with some companies that we believe that offers this, this type of equipment. And I think this is what we've been doing and, and helping here in South America. So, so there's always cheaper options, right? Like the, I, I don't care almost whatever business or industry you're in, there's always going to be a cheaper option. What would you say to someone who's in that spot of deciding whether they're going to save the, the dollars now or invest the dollars for down the road? What, what, what's kind of the number one message that you'd want them to, to be able to hear from Ian's mouth first? Um, this, is may, this may be something new to Joe. <laughs> Uh, because we, of course, expect me to sell as much as I can. But the, the reality is we have to identify what, what's our customer need. You know, if there are some customers, they, they don't see why they should have this higher quality that we deliver. And quite honestly, I understand that. You know, it's, it's pretty much the same as a car. Uh, do everybody need a Ferrari? Well, they want to sell everybody, but that's not the reality. So that's what we do here as well. We, we find out we, when we find someone that actually needs this superior quality that we can deliver, okay, let's go and let's, let's try to, to, to sell him a piece of equipment that he actually needs. Not every customer is a target customer. And you know, our focus is on making sure that we can provide the highest quality solution, not just in the equipment we provide, but in the outcome our customer receives. And you know, that costs a little bit more money and, so some customers aren't willing to make that investment. One day they'll come around, but it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And, and so as we're telling that story, as you're telling the story of, of who is that customer, what are some of the things that you've learned that make up the, the profile of, the, of the, kind of that ideal Oliver customer? What, what, what characteristics do we know about them? Just so that as I'm thinking of, as our audience is listening to this, should they be thinking of themselves as that right customer? What's that profile? Talk to me a little bit about that. Definitely someone that is looking for a higher quality product. Uh, most of the cases are a company that is actually very proud of what they do. And I have a good example here in Brazil, which is General Mills. Um, they do the best popcorn in South America, you know, and they, they, they market this way. Have another customer, uh, Tecnocampo in Argentina. They export chickpeas for the European market, so very high quality. Another customer is the one that is looking for uh, easy to operate equipment, very high capacity because we we provide equipment very high capacity, very low downtime. Our equipment it's very hard for for one equipment, you know, to 
to be paralyzed because something bad happens. Joe can help me with more, but I would point those. And I would say also customers who aren't afraid to adopt some technology and get past the old manual ways of doing things and building their intelligence in the equipment so the equipment can work for them. And that's not everyone, is it? It certainly isn't. I think uh, this last year we actually sold uh, one of our Voyagers, but to a guy who doesn't have uh, a website, doesn't have email, and had to place an order via fax machine. So sometimes you can find them anywhere. Love it. You need to tell my staff that because they always, they're wanting to pull the plug on the fax machine and I won't let it happen because I'm still convinced there's going to be something come through that I need to see. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So if, if we're looking, innovation's a big word, right? Like it, it can get, there's so much wrapped up into it that there, we need to have a culture that supports it. We need to have investments that support it. We need to have people that support it. How does Oliver talk about innovation? When, when you're talking internally, how do you talk, how do you talk about innovation and how, how does it drive it? Well, I think, Sean, innovation has been uh, a word that has been used an awful lot and to some degree it maybe is a bit overused. And so I don't think when we're having our conversations about what's the next new development or what we want to do differently, uh, we don't put it under the umbrella of innovation. Uh, we really put it under the umbrella of how do we make life easier for our customers. Mm. And so, you know, you can read about all the innovation blogs and all the other things, but it's really about what's the next best thing for our industry and our customers. And that's how we really uh, bundle it or, or really look at it, uh, but not under the title of innovation. Solving problems for your customers, making their, what did you say? Making their life easier. Well, it's not just solving problems for them, but being observant about what's going on. And maybe they don't even realize they have a problem. And maybe we see something in the future that we go, man, this is going to be a real issue. How do we get, how do we get ahead of the curve? And so, but I think if we sat in a meeting and said, okay, everybody, we want to talk about innovation. How are we going to innovate? I think people's minds would close because it's so broad. Innovation for the sake of innovation, I, I believe, is called blowing smoke. Yep. Right, right. Ian, so if, if there's somebody that's sitting there with a, with a processing issue right now, how, what, what, would you, what would your advice be to them if they wanted to? They didn't necessarily, they weren't putting up their hand to say they wanted to buy something from Oliver, but that they wanted to be able to sure tap into some of that expertise and be able to understand how those, potentially these problems could be solved. What, what would your advocacy be to them? What would you suggest they do? I think they have to, to look for help. You know, try to find someone that can give some, some that can visit them, see what's going on, understand what's the problem, really understand what they need, and talk about it. You know, um, someone having, in a lot of cases, having someone that visit other plants that had access to different locations, you know, he kind of, connect and find a solution that people is just not seeing it. So try to find an expert, try to find someone that knows the, the business. And so at risk of sounding like the quarterback calling your own number, can that be you? <laughs> well, uh, I don't know. I hope so. We try, we, we try hard to help. That's the, that's the honest uh, question. 
Lots of time people uh, contact us because of the gravity tables. And at the end, you know, I point out that I would love to, to sell you one, but you actually don't need this. You need something else. And you may find this on our local manufacturer here in Brazil. But if you are looking for something else, okay, we have this and this to offer. Perfect. Did, did I, do I understand correctly that, uh, that you recently launched a new website for South America as well? Yes, yes. I'm quite excited about that. We just released a website focused on South America market. So everything is in Spanish or Portuguese. So it's much easier for anyone here to, to understand it. And I think we are also gathering information specific for this area. So the equipment that we are offering here is not necessarily the same that you're going to find on, on Oliver USA. And uh, that, that web address is oliver-sa.com. Is that correct? Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Joe, when, if we come back to this idea about people, I know I've heard you speak in the past pretty eloquently, I will suggest, about how important the people are at Oliver. If we're trying to put a sharing note on it about what it is that drives the people at Oliver to continue to build the quality that you build for 90 years, any thought, like what, what have you thought about what, what, what drives that? I think what drives the people here is this is a, this is a family held business. There is, there are people who are working here whose fathers and uncles and maybe their grandfather worked here. And so there's a family legacy beyond just, you know, the, uh, the Oliver, Brian's great grandfather, Oliver Steele setting up the business. There's so many family members that have worked here through the generations that it is really ingrained in the folks about making this company successful. And then I think I'm gonna maybe jump a little bit and maybe try to answer the question you had asked Ian about going out to see a customer who needed some help, but you know, how do we approach it? If they're not in the market per se, a gravity table. I would tell you that some of our salespeople have gone out to customers and actually helped train them on our competitors' gravity tables because they simply couldn't get them to work, but they weren't in the market for a new gravity table. And so, again, that's that customer first thinking, and maybe one day that customer will circle back and replace that competitor table with ours, but at least we got them up and running and they're making money. Well, and that commitment to, uh, come back to your wording, making their life easier? Yep, that fits. That absolutely fits. That absolutely fits. Gents, is there anything else that I haven't brought up or that we haven't talked about that you think is important for our audience to, to hear from you on? Uh, maybe I could just uh, compliment what Joe was saying. I think if there is one thing that Oliver is really good, I can say great about it, it's our responsibility with our customers. You know, we provide a piece of equipment and we really make our best, you know, to fulfill what we promise. Sometimes we may have issues. We, it happened in the past that a machine is not performing the way it should. We do our absolutely best, you know, to support and to fix it. And when we consider international sales, a lot of times this is 
really not easy. We have to warranty some parts, we have to pay for taxes, for shipping, for everything. But I don't, I don't think that any other company here can surpass what we do on this level. Maybe they can do the same, but not do more than we do about this, this kind of commitment that we have with the customers. I, I actually got some feedback from a distributor yesterday, Ian, on the phone, who said that uh, our ability to support him far surpassed any other company that he has ever dealt with. And so that is really who we are. And so uh, we'll continue to be that. Yeah, we are, we are in the business for 90 years, and there is a lot of proud from the family and from the Oliver employees. And you can put me on this list as well that we we step at the side with the customer we don't step away well said well said gentlemen thanks very much for sitting down for a chat today hope we will do it again soon no way go blue jays <laughs> thank you very much for the opportunity thanks guys thank you. work your portuguese <laughs>